Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I came to New York and Jewish people, like, they shunned me. They shunned me because I was Christian. I was, we'll talk about that in a minute. I was discriminated. I felt like, why wasn't I Jewish? Do you understand? So now we've gone from Italian persecution to Ramona persecution at college. I mean, it just gets... Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Real Housewives of New York and Beverly Hills Edition. Not going to lie to you guys, I'm not going to front. I'm going to keep the New York recap uh, shorter than usual. One, because Beverly Hills had a lot to talk about. But two, um, there were some technical issues. (laughs) And I couldn't find the episode and rewatch. I didn't save it to the DVR. I could not find on the on-demand that episode. The last episode that it had saved was last week's, you know, the how they do those, like, never-before-seen um, episodes. That's all it had. And it was from last week. So, sorry, y'all. We're working off memory. And, um, you know, if, uh, if um, any of my um, past... Habits have anything to do with it. My memory's not too great. So, forgive me. (laughs) Um, So, this week was the Black Shabbat dinner. What is a Black Shabbat? I don't know. Um, I, uh, it's confusing to me. I talked to my friend Sam about this and we were just confused because, there were two other black people there. If I, if my memory serves correctly, there were mostly white people. The lady Archie who was hosting the event was also white. So why we had to make this a black Shabbat is confusing to me. And I'm just going to have to say it like 
Ebony is doing too much a little bit. <laughs> like, I just don't want to have to learn a lesson. And that sounds so bad because now I'm talking about the Jewish community. And now I'm being like, oh, I don't want to hear a lesson every time. I didn't want to hear it before. Like, let me just be fair. Like, I wouldn't have wanted to go to the Harlem Nights and, and learn stuff. I wouldn't, you know, it's just like, there needs to be an event where we can just have fun. And this could have been fun. And I think if it had not been for Ramona's freak out, then we probably would have had a much better um, uh, event. But this was really off the rails. And I'm going to blame Ramona. I'm not going to put this on Ebony. Like, I'm, I'm going to put this on Ramona. Because what was that? What was that? Um, I've seen a lot of people saying that they did not appreciate that Ebony did not, not invite Bershawn to the event. Um, y'all know I don't particularly care for Bershawn, but I do see the point, um, you know, to ice the only other black member out of a an event that you are dubbing black whatever seems shady. But I also feel like Ebony, as soon as she met Bershawn at the Harlem Knights event and Bershawn did that kind of like all lives matter. We are the world thing. I think Ebony was just off Bershawn forever and that's her choice and that's her right to do. Um, like I said, I don't really care for Bershawn, but I do think it would have been nice and poignant to see them get along and to see them, um, I, I don't know. I, it, it just would have been, it would have been nice to see them get along with each other. Or if they were not to get along, to get along, to to have a discord in a different way that didn't stem from like racial stuff. Uh, you know, y'all know what I mean? Okay. So <sighs> Ramona, like even for Ramona, what was that? What was that? So the ladies are supposed to be going to New Jersey to this lady Archie's house. Um, Leah cannot go to the event because she was exposed to somebody who had COVID. So she is chiming in via Zoom, which Ramona is like, I don't like this. This is weird. It's one thing if we're all on a Zoom and having a conversation. It's quite another if we're all hanging out in real life and there's one person on Zoom. Um, was she right? Mostly, yeah, mostly she was right because it does take it out of it. It does, like, Leah couldn't hear, people couldn't hear her. It was really distracting, especially when you're doing a religious ceremony. It's like, it, you know, it just, there were so many times where Archie was being interrupted because of mostly Ramona's poor behavior and also, like, Leah and Ramona going back and forth. It just, like, was a, a disconnect. But this was really, like, truly dinner party from hell part you know, New York edition. Um, uh, what else was going on? Um, oh, Ramona's still trying to do uh, real estate. She showed that $18 million apartment. She snapped at the realtor who's helping her because she wanted to take the lead with the client. Um, <laughs> shout out to the Reality Is podcast for pointing out that the captions before the client came in said, Oh, like something like, Oh, let me look it up. Cause it was truly so funny. Um, they were trying to say the word client 
and it, something really got lost in the mix here. So on the caption, it says, okay, well, what should have been said is, okay, so my client Jordan is coming up, but instead it said my clit. Okay, so my clit Jordan is coming up. So you can see that screenshot at the uh, the reality is pod on Instagram. Um, and also listen to their podcasts. They're, they're lovely. Um, so she's showing this apartment. She's like really just terrible. I, you know, how it was just like one layer of disgusting after another, like the $18 million apartment that I think only had like three bedrooms. The view was sick, but like truly kill me. And also like Ramona. Ramona, I'm the top 1% of the 1% singer. Trying to sell this home is just like, yuck, a yuck to me. Um, did you guys see that? <laughs> Somebody got a hold of Avery's Finsta, and then she flipped the fuck out and um, <laughs> tried to get those videos taken down. Oh, gosh, help us all. Um, Ebony meets with a genealogist because we know that she, the person who she thought might be her sister, turned out to not be, or excuse me, a geneticist, not a genealogist. And the lady, I guess, is just going to be like, I've never heard of this being such a simple thing to do. She said, within a week, I can find out who your father is. And, you know, we look at this and that and your mom's genes and your dad's genes and like we, we find a match. I'm surprised that that isn't a more common thing, but maybe it is, and it's just not my world. I don't know. Um, that's that's really exciting. That's like a really like what a I wish. Do I wish we had focused more on this? No, I mean maybe we saw all we all that we needed to see, but this is a very interesting journey, and I'm hoping that we get the answers to it. I hope this isn't like another dead end for her, like it was with her sister, because that would be really disappointing. Sonia meets up with her, um, the guy that their matchmaker hooked her up with. And she was really excited when she saw the picture of him. She thought he was cute. She's like, you know, he's a little bit of a, he's got a little bit of a tummy and I'm into that same, same girl. Um, and then she sees him and she's like, ah, he doesn't look exactly like the pictures, but you know, they had a really nice time. I liked seeing this Sonia. I liked seeing the Sonia who is poised intelligent she can have a back and forth she can have a banter and especially seeing that with a man because i feel like luann and ramona and even sonia kind of give in to this um theory that sonia is just like like flailing she doesn't know how to keep a man uh, first of all none of y'all know how to keep a man so you know if we're gonna play that game let's play fair um secondly um, I just think that like Sonia and Ramona, did I say that right? No, Luann and Ramona <laughs> really just try their hardest to make Sonia look stupid because it makes them in their minds look less stupid. Spoiler alert, false, but it was just really nice to see her because I'll tell you one thing we've seen Luann flirting with guys. We've seen, um, Ramona flirting with guys and we've seen Sonia flirting with guys and it all being embarrassing, but we've never seen Luann or Ramona be as put together as Sonia was in this moment with another man, not even with their husbands back in the day. Did we see this type of poise? So I really liked it. Obviously nothing happened with them because you know, if they were together, we would have known it by now, but you know, it was good practice. It was, it was just like a nice conversation. And I just liked seeing Sonia just be like, not silly, caberlesque, drunk Sonia. I would, I just really like that. 
I tell you one thing. Luann and that blue dress was everything to me, okay? It was, like, every fantasy that I have of, like, me existing in a world where I can look like Michelle Pfeiffer, like a Coke dealer's wife, you know what I mean? Like, that's my vibe. Like, you know how, like, maybe everybody doesn't do this, but, like, do you ever picture yourself as, like, an older person, like a grandma, or just, like, a in your 50s, or in your, you know, older... I, I picture the kind of woman that I want to be, and I imagine a 40s Kara. I'm just dressing straight up like Michelle Pfeiffer in, um, what is it? You guys, I always come up with these <laughs> comparisons, and then my dumbass is like, oh, I, I can't even think of the name of the shit, and it, you know, and then I look stupid because I am. Because I am. I'm stalling because I'm trying to find the name of this movie. And it's such a popular movie. And I should be understanding what it is. I should just have it right on the top of my head. It's the Coke movie Scarface. Kara, wow. Okay. I want to look like Michelle Pfeiffer in Scarface. Her like 70s, 80s, Halston, Studio 54 vibes. I don't have the titties for that. You know, like I have like a, a womanly... Yanla like come sit on my breast and feel the healing powers of it kind of bosom so I'm gonna have to like find a way to adapt that to my body type but I really love that dress I love that silhouette I love the whole thing was it a lot for a Shabbat probably (laughs) I think all of the women could have been a little bit more conservative but okay fine um here's my thing here's the thing that really confuses me How is it that these women who have lived in New York for probably longer than I've been alive have such a uh, loose and basically non-existent uh, relationship with the Jewish community? It's wild to me. I always say this and I I don't want to sound like the New York know-it-all, but like I just want to put it into context for people who have not lived here or in the metropolitan area and don't understand Like, the Jewish culture is pretty ingrained in New York, New Jersey, you know, culture. And so it's shocking to me that, okay, Luann lived with Jacques, a Jewish man. She was in a relationship with him for, what, four or five years? He is Jewish. They lived on the Upper West Side, which is a largely, well, maybe not largely so much, but like has a large Jewish community. Um, she, her saying that she had never been to a Seder. Like my jaw dropped. Like, how was that possible? I don't even know how that's possible. Um, so when these women are saying that they don't really have any sort of community or any like understanding of the Jewish community after living in New York for so long that's like really embarrassing and it's shocking and they should be embarrassed that they have not um that they are as ignorant as they are about a lot of things but this especially um uh so yeah that was shocking to me um what else happened that was worth talking about I mean obviously Ramona's Whoa. Wow, 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 wow. Wow, 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 Um, even for Ramona, it was 
weird. It was like something happened, like some sort of switch flipped with her. And first she starts talking about how she was engaged to a man and she was in the process of converting to Judaism for him. So she does have like a a knowledge of Judaism because she literally learned it. Um, But then something happened. I guess she felt like he did not respect the fact or he did not thank her or she felt like he did not recognize the fact that she was converting for him. And so they broke up and she said it was like the best decision that she ever made. And then it just very quickly turns into Ramona, like constantly shutting it down. Why do we have to talk about the relationship between black people and Jewish people? Why do we have, you know, blah, 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 you know, shutting Archie down, which is like so rude. Um, Fortunately, not many people are like giving her too much of attention because she didn't need it, but she was horrible enough on her own. Suddenly it's like Ramona needs us to feel bad for the fact that allegedly in college, she was shunned by the Jewish community at her school at the fashion Institute. That's where you were shunned by all the Jewish people at the school. Okay. Um, Leah gives us the line of her for the season, or maybe the line of the season or with everybody, which is like, I feel like everybody probably hated Ramona in college, not just Jewish people. (laughs) It's like, yeah, girl. Yeah. Then Ramona does the thing that she does. She does constantly. She finds an excuse to get out of a situation, but then she realizes that she has to go back. So she has to make up a lie. So this time it was like, Oh, I had to go to the bathroom, but it's like, you know you can't leave. You're in New Jersey. It's not like you can hop a cab, hop in a cab. It's not like, I mean, you could get an Uber if you wanted for sure, but you know, you can't call your friend um, to come pick you up and take you to the Hamptons in his private plane. You know, you're you're nowhere near Teterboro <laughs> and this isn't going to happen. And anyway, so Ramona is just like a monster. I don't know what she was thinking. Like I said, it was embarrassing. Even for Ramona, this was like really poor, poor form. I hope she is as embarrassing, as embarrassed about that as she needs to be. Wow. Oh God. Can you imagine? You know, in these moments, I wonder about Avery. Like we all have heard the rumors of Avery being horrible, right? Do you think when she sees or she hears about her mom doing this, what goes through her mind? I really, really wonder, like, is she embarrassed? Does she feel like her mom is correct? Is she so warped that she thinks that this is normal behavior and that her mom is infallible? Or does she ever sit down and have a talk with her mom and say, "Uh, that wasn't good. That was really bad. And you need to, like, atone for this in some way. I mean, we have not ever seen Ramona really atone for anything. So, I guess I got my answer to that. Okay, you guys. Let's move on to the... Is there anything you can own in it? Excuse me? Garcelle needs to check herself as to why she does what she does. Garcelle throws little darts. And people are like, ow. Do you think that your body image affected your daughter in any way? Dancing? Barely naked. This is not somebody that has your back. 
And that's what I'm trying to get Garcelle to just take a peek at. Is there any part of it that you that you can own in it? Absolutely not. Maybe Rena feels like I asked too many questions, but you know, seeing the way she treated Denise, I think that's a little bit hypocritical. Denise, have you said things about me to other people that are negative? I have not. Someone's not being honest. She can take her ownness and shove it as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to make a very bold statement, a very bold claim, but I'm going to stick to it. And I, I want you guys to remember this when it comes up in the future. I think that this is going to be one of the most important episodes of Beverly Hills, or maybe a top 10 most important episode of all the Housewives franchises, hands down. This was great. It was, I, so many people have so many opinions. It really, it was like a shape-shifting moment. And I hate to put this much, like, I'm getting chills. <laughs> Kara, calm down. <laughs> um, it's a moment, an episode that I felt like um, really set the tone for who these women are, what they stand for, whose side they're on, their morals. You know, this was like the morality play of episodes where you figure out where everybody lies and damn, Sutton. Sutton's importance skyrocketed in my mind. We spent all of the early episodes of this season being like, oh, this woman, I can't take her. I can't take those little legs. I just want to, like, kick her ankle. I can't stand her crying, hysterical. I can't do it. And now a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. And I'm casting my fears aside, you know? I, this was great. This was a great episode for Sutton. Obviously a great episode for my girl Garcelle, Queen, Queen, okay, terrible episode for Lisa, not that really we should be surprised by that, um, and, you know, let us all, let us all raise or lower our flags to, to half staff for all the Dorit stands who thought that she probably was going to disappoint us at some point but not like this girl what the kelly osborne jumped out on this one wow wow you guys let's talk about the episode okay so the episode starts where we left off last week erica's like <laughs> behind that door and the women are discussing her reaction to garcelle and i'm putting big quotes on this outing Erica for admitting that Tom still calls her. Okay. Crystal, I said last week, and maybe I was a little harsh on her for saying like, Crystal only mentioned that Garcelle didn't hear Erica saying she didn't want this repeated. To me, Garcelle never heard it. She would have never known that Erica did not want that repeated. She only said that after Erica left, but now this episode she said it about five times um so okay i'm back i'm back on you crystal um 
And she needed to say it five times. Like, it was annoying for me to hear because I'm a sensible person. But clearly, these other women needed to hear it about five times because they would not get off Garcelle's neck about this. And it's a bad look because how much more do you need to hear? Garcelle did not hear what Erica said about not saying it. How many times are you going to try to vilify her for something that she did not do intentionally? Like, they... It was almost like they had, like, intentionally tried to make Garcelle be the villain. And thank God she stood her ground. Thank God Crystal was there to defend her to the point where, like, they ended up looking stupid because it was an irrefutable fact that Garcelle did not do this intentionally. And, like, fuck Lisa Rinna. Fuck Dorit for trying to create any sort of cloud of, like, discord or confusion about this whole thing. Like, truly fuck them. Garcelle says she never would have done something like try to expose Erica because she would never want to hurt her. And even she starts getting like a little bit emotional herself and starts welling up with tears in a confessional. Kyle says that she doesn't know why it would be such a big deal if Tom did call Erica, because like I said last week, I think they were in a relationship. So it's would almost be more weird if your husband never tried to talk to you at all once you moved out of the home with no notice, right? Like, that's not that weird. But we got to talk about something. Has anybody on Reddit or anybody in the know with production, could they tell me or the world at large when Kyle filmed these talking heads? Because this is a very different Kyle. This is a very different Kyle that we see being highly supportive of Erica this whole time. This is a different Kyle that we see um, on social media or how, how she was on social media the past few months when they were like, oh, you know, celebrating her birthday and really like riding hard in support of her. Um, I just have a feeling that these interviews, particularly in this episode, must have been filmed recently. Or in the very recent past, because this seems like really different from the messaging that she was trying to send to us before. And make no mistake, I like this version of Kyle much better because she looks a lot less like a dumbass who's blindly following somebody who may or may not be um, putting her in a really precarious situation. So Erica comes back out from behind that door. It's an awkward silence. And Lisa Renna is the one to sit down next to her and comfort her and hold her and what have you. Erica starts crying about how this is, this is a hard time in my life. And everybody's just staring at her. Even Crystal starts to get emotional and cry. <laughs> and it kind of reminded me <laughs> of, you know, when um, it all came out about Candy Phaedra and Portia and Candy realized that the one who had told Portia about the rumors of her and Todd drug and raping Portia came from Phaedra this whole time. And remember when Sheree started crying? <laughs> For some reason, even though that is such a like heightened emotion, dramatic scene, it's just so funny to watch Sheree be like, oh my God, and like crying because y'all... When did we ever see Sheree cry? There were about a thousand situations where Sheree probably should have been crying. We never saw her cry, except for in that moment, in a moment that had nothing to do with her. 
that that moment always really cracks me up because of that and i'm like okay well i i would just wish that they had asked crystal in this moment why are you crying why are you crying (laughs) i mean it's fine if you're crying i just want to know like where this is coming from who are we crying for and what are we crying about um so then garcelle gets up and is like i'm leaving i'm leaving she can feel the vibes the vibes are way off and she is an intuitive person I'll, I'll give Garcelle that. Um, she starts getting annoyed. And in a confessional, she's like, I'm starting to get a little bit pissed off because I just feel like Erica's not giving me the benefit of the doubt. Kathy is the only one to follow Garcelle and try to talk her out of leaving and say, you know, just stay. What if we sit down and have a talk about this? Um, so she comes back and says to Erica, listen, it really was not my intention to say anything or expose you in a dirty way. And Erica's like, you know, it's okay. You don't have to leave. It's okay. It's okay. And so then Garcelle goes to Erica. They hug. I loved the cinematography of this. The cameraman of being like over the shoulder of Erica, you could see Sutton's full face and you could see her reaction was just like, huh? Okay. So this is what we're doing. All right. Um, It's just, man, man. She says in a confessional, it's hard to watch all of this because it's not about Garcelle. It's about Erica and her problems. And I just wonder if Erica is being honest with us. Erica says she's going to leave early. And this is where the line is drawn drawn in the sand I believe that this is going to be our dynamic for the rest of the season where the people who followed Erica to her car and the people who stayed in the house. So the people who went with Erica, Dorit, Kyle, and Lisa, the people who stayed and Kathy, the people who stayed, it was just Crystal Sutton and Garcelle. Um, So they're all waiting for her and inside Sutton tells Garcelle, you did nothing wrong. Like, just so you know. Meanwhile, outside, Lisa's telling Erica, you know, you should be able to tell your story in your own time. Uh, Girl, that's strike one for you. Strike one. Back inside, Garcelle is very observant, like I said, to notice who went to leave with Erica and who stayed. So the ladies who left go back inside. Erica leaves. They sit down. Garcelle says, You guys better believe that I would never have said anything if that was the reaction I was going to get. And then Lisa is like, again, asks her, why did you feel like you had to say that or ask Erica that in that moment? And Garcelle says, basically, she was under the impression that, reminder, you guys, Garcelle was not there the first day where she, where Erica was telling all the stories, all the hotels, He's got all these women. He's cheating on me. He got into a car accident. Switchback. 12 hours. Tunsis down the cliff. Tom. Angry. All of these things. Garcelle was like, I was under the impression that she had been sharing this, that we were in a sharing space, and that possibly even you guys knew. Like, I just thought that that's what we were going with in this moment. And that it would be more of the same. So then Dorit chimes in and says, but she told you she didn't want to talk about it. 
And Garcelle says, no, she didn't. Crystal, again, has to say, Erica told me not to repeat it, but she only told me Garcelle was not there. She did not know not to say anything. Again, you guys. Um, so then, once Dorit... I will say, mm, should I really be taking up for Dorit? No, so I'm not going to. Um, so, <laughs> but I will say that once Crystal made it very clear for the 17th time, Garcelle's hands are not dirty in this situation. She did not know. Dorit did, at least did not uh, dog with a bonus like Lisa did and said, okay, well, if you were there and she knew you weren't there and this is, you know, if this is the case, then do you think that she's really upset with you for what you said? Or do you think that there might be something else going on? And Garcelle's like, well, girl, like I'm sure a lot of things are going on. And it came out, you know, the bee jumped out and I get it. I get it. Um, so then Crystal and Garcelle go back to the hotel. They get ready for dinner. But while they're waiting for their car, Garcelle tells Crystal, I just feel like not a lot of people were on my side in there. And in a confessional, Garcelle says that ever since she joined the group, she's always felt like there's an inner circle. Not only is she not part of it, but she's also like they're not really doing a good job of debunking that feeling. Like, I feel this way. And I feel like their behavior only magnifies it and confirms my suspicions that there is an inner circle and that they're defending. So we all know about this like Fox Force 5 thing that's going on with uh, Kyle, Rena, Erica, Dorit, and ugh, Teddy. Ugh. <laughs> and it does seem like a girl, like a, like a little sorority. It does seem like a you can't sit with us kind of vibe. And... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, um, fault her for feeling that way. Um, back in the house, Lisa has the unmitigated gall and audacity to say, <laughs> and I quote, I don't think it's our job to ask her, meaning Erica questions, unless she really wants to share it. L M F A O. Exhibit one, all of your behavior towards Denise last season. Um, were people doing coke in your bathroom, Dorit? Um, what's going on with Kim? Why aren't we not owning our behavior? She is the queen of owning behavior. She is doing this very weird and going to bite her in her ass thing of like trying to make Garcelle the villain and here's one thing that I can't stand about a bitch on TV. And I use bitch universally. I mean, men bitch, women bitch, them bitch, doesn't matter. Here's what I hate when a bitch does is that they think that they're smarter than us. Jax Taylor, great example. The people who think that they're smart, not only smarter than everybody in the room, but that they're like tricking everybody. Lisa, we were all there. We know what you do. And before this moment, I would have maybe even defended you and said that you were doing what was necessary for the show. You were moving storylines along in some cases, not with the Denise stuff, but in some cases. 
Lucy Lucy, Apple Juice, Lisa Vanderpump. Hello. I mean, so many, so many examples that we can cite about Lisa trying to stir or steer the conversation in a way, trying to force people into saying things, trying to make conversations happen. But all of a sudden, when it has to do with Erica, she deserves to have her own time. And, you know, this is like a hand-holding situation now. We're giving Erica all this grace that Lisa has never extended to really anybody. And that really is a red flag for me. Like, what... I've been really, like, side-eyeing Lisa for the past few seasons, but this is, like, a real, what are you doing? What is the backstory behind this for me? So then they bring up something else that happened in the news earlier with Erica, which basically stated that, (laughs) and why is Dorit, like, (laughs) does Dorit have her JD? She is, you know, for, doesn't, don't she and PKO like $700,000 or something? I don't know. Maybe that's why she knows so much about this, but she is the one who's like the legal trouble, financial trouble whisperer, breaking everything down. So basically, um, what happened earlier that day is essentially in a calif in California, you get divorced. It's like a common property, like 50, 50, you, you should be owed 50% of, whoever's making the more money after what, 10 years, I think. Um, so in a normal circumstance, Erica, because they were getting divorced should have expected to receive 50% of Tom's estate or whatever they agreed upon in their, uh, whatever, um, prenup, which they didn't have. Um, but because of all the legal things that are happening with Tom, um, it's going to be so Erica's not entitled to any funds. Um, as they're talking, Kathy comes in out of nowhere, like Kramer or something, just like shuffling into the room talking, <laughs> talking about, she's already got the menu pulled up for Roos Chris. They've got the sweet potato souffle, mac and cheese, steaks, burgers. You guys want it? And they're like, um, I don't, where is this coming from? Okay. Sure, Kathy. I mean, the perfect foil to break up this conversation because that's what we need Kathy for, frankly. So all the ladies say, let's break it up. Let's go get dressed. Um, We are going to sit down for dinner. Doree comes downstairs looking like she's about to be on like a Pussycat Dolls reunion tour. Like, I didn't really understand what that look was. Even for Doree... Let me backtrack. It's not that I couldn't understand what the look was. It's that the sheer top with the bra and the high-waisted panties and just like the sheer overlay and the the, uh, knee-high boots. It was just a lot of look for a sit-down dinner, a sit-down dinner of Ruth's Chris, you know? (laughs) Like, like, am I going to go to Maggiano's in, uh, you know, a bandage dress? No. No, probably not. Kathy, again, is like, you guys are wasting perfectly good outfits on these other hoes, these other women. Why are we doing this? Um, If you want me to get you like a sensible windbreaker and some Asics, um, I have them in every color. Doreen, if you feel like changing. Um, Then the cameraman keeps zooming on Kyle's shoes that were these black pumps, but they had crystal bows on them like Swarovski crystal crystals in a shape of a bow and I'm assuming that they were doing that to be shady because the shoes were hideous they they 
panned to those shoes a couple times. And it felt like shade. And I see that. And I recognize you. So Lisa notices that Sutton is wearing a vintage Cartier bracelet. Of course, the producers in a confessional try to get Sutton to uh, fess up to how much it costs. She would not do it. And then back to Lisa and Sutton. She's like, you're so fucking rich. I keep forgetting about that. (laughs) How much do we think that vintage Cartier bracelet was? 175? 125? Definitely in the six figures, right? Ooh, it was beautiful. But damn. And y'all, just because I I refuse to figure out like any of Sutton's backstory, what the fuck did her husband do? I know she said that she grew up comfortable. And also, I feel like she said that she didn't realize how wealthy her husband was. Something like that. She's, I, I need, that's, this is really the only thing about Sutton that I really covet in my life is like, I want to be so wealthy that it's like embarrassing, you know? (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Yes, I do. Um, anyway, let's move on. Kathy at some point makes a noise out of her body, but then she doesn't want to admit to it when everybody hears her. And then she blames it on being cold. Okay. Um, Somebody asked if anybody had spoken to Erica that day. Kyle says that she texted her and Garcelle says that she also texted her, but didn't get an answer back in a confessional. Garcelle says, I feel bad that Erica reacted that way, but I wasn't intentionally doing any harm to her. So my conscience is clear. Then, Kyle tells Garcelle, you know, next time Erica sees you, she's not going to scream at you or be a bitch or anything. She's just not going to trust you. Okay. (laughs) Which is exactly what says Garcelle says. She's like, okay, I get that, but I didn't do anything intentionally. So Lisa, who has found herself a, you know, cheetah print sleeping, sleeping bag that has turned into a coat, turns to Garcelle and asks her, Is there anything about that situation that you can own? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. So here's where Lisa's got everybody fucked up. She's got the whole game fucked up. In the past two episodes... She has been trying to change the narrative to the reality, which is that Garcelle is not fucking with her and that Lisa is the one who was supposed to be earning her trust back because of what happened with Denise. And now it's turning into, or or there's an attempt to turn this into 
Garcelle is a different person. Like when she showed up in the hazmat suit and Lisa said, oh, this is a Garcelle that I love. Garcelle didn't do anything to you. You're the one who fucked up. Like she keeps trying to paint this narrative. She's trying to make Garcelle be the villain. And she really thinks that she's on the right side of history. And like I said, Jax Taylor trying to convince us of something that we all see is not true, but they think that they're so much smarter than everybody else that we are going to like be convinced that their version of reality is the case when it's not. And I don't know, it's like laughable to watch Lisa try to chastise or demonize Garcelle at all. It's getting weird. And this is where I would have had to throw my Lisa Rinna Beauty lipstick right back at the owner. When she said in a confessional that Garcelle needs to check herself as to why she does the things that she does. Excuse me? She needs to check herself? For what? Let's not act like Lisa wouldn't have done exactly what Garcelle did knowing that Erica, like Erica could have said, Lisa, don't say that. And Lisa would have said it on TV. She would have. So for her to act like she's got some sort of moral high ground and that she, that Garcelle needs to check herself and own up to what she did. First of all, she's been owning up to what she did. There's not been any point where she has said otherwise she has why is this answer not enough for you? This is like Crystal 2.0. Okay, let me, before I get to the explanation, let me continue what she said. Lisa continues to say, Garcelle throws little darts and hurt people. And then come the flashbacks where Garcelle is first pointing out that when Erica talked about being on Broadway, on Chicago, that Lisa repeatedly brought the conversation back to her and how she had been on, um, uh, uh, Chicago 18 years prior. And then also the scene where Garcelle um, asked Lisa if she felt like her dancing on Instagram or the way she expresses her body has maybe um, contributed to her daughter's, you know, eating issues. Now, I'm going to say every time the scene comes up as a point against Garcelle, I want to let the record show that there, that was, we only saw, like, this was like <laughs> watching RuPaul's Drag Race and then the after show. It's like, you're only getting half the story. So the reality of that scene was where Garcelle's asking Lisa, do you feel like anything in the way you express your body contributed to Amelia's eating disorder? The reason why Garcelle asked that is because prior to that, she had shared, like right before she asked that, she had shared about how her son, Oliver, her oldest son, had drug issues, addiction issues. And she always thought to herself, like, was there anything that she did to get him to this place? Was there any way that she contributed to that? And so she was trying to relate to Lisa by saying, do you feel that way? Like as a mom, mother to mother of kids that have gone through things, do you ever wonder how you may have contributed to that? So it looks bad when you just see the first part, but when you see the whole thing, and I'm sure you can find it on bravotv.com or somewhere, 
maybe I'll even put this, um, if I can find it in time, I'll put it in the description. No promises because I'm liable to forget this immediately. But, um, uh, if I don't, you guys can message me. You can message me on everyone's business, but mine, and I'll post it in the stories or something like that. Um, so yeah, like I said, it, it, that looked bad or sounded bad, but again, if you, see the whole scene, it makes a lot more sense as to why Garcelle asked that. And here's the thing, Lisa knows that because she was in the room. She was the one who had the conversation with Garcelle. So I know that the editors put that clip in, but I just don't think that was a, a point being made on, on Lisa's behalf. So again, Lisa asks Garcelle if there's anything that she can own, and Garcelle says, absolutely not. And in a confessional, she says, I... Pfft, what the world is saying, I just feel like this is all hypocritical given the way Lisa treated Denise. The Garcelle gives the line of the night, which is Lisa can take her ownness and shove it as far as I'm concerned. Thank you. Dorit again chimes in and suggests that, you know, maybe you were just trying to needle Erica a little bit. And Garcelle says, I'm not going to shit on her when she's at her bottom. That's not who I am. I'm just not that person. Crystal tries to help her out again and Garcelle stops her and is like, you know what? You don't need to defend me. You don't need to do it, girl. Like, don't, don't I can fight this. I'm a big girl. Not in a shady way. Just like, you know, we, we don't even have to do this because if you defend me, then it becomes this whole big thing. And like, I'm not even trying to do that because this should be no situation. What at whatsoever. And, um, so she says, I don't need you to you to defend me because I know who I am and I'm not taking that on. But then she um, points to Lisa and says, but obviously you think I should. So then Lisa says, make me understand what happened. Why does Garcelle need to make you understand what happened? And like I said, this was Crystal 2.0, where all these women don't like the fact that these other women... Crystal and now Garcelle are in the right that they feel like there is some sort of unspoken like not hierarchy but some sort of like thing where you have to kiss the ring and you have to apologize it's almost like for y'all who watch Summer House season the big fight between Kyle Carl and Luke where this was the only time you guys know I love my husband. I'm Mrs. Barry Radke. However, I had to disagree with Carl when he was trying to get Luke to apologize for being a fuckboy simply on the basis that he and Kyle had atoned for their fuckboy behavior in the house. And it basically was just like, oh, well, we had to do it, so you do. So it's giving, like... We've all had to do this, like, bullshit, um, apologizing for things that we're not really sorry for, and humbling ourselves, and now you need to do it. And that's just not how life works. Also, Lisa, excuse me, Crystal and Garcelle were not in the wrong, and they hate that neither of those women will give up on that. They hate it. And it's like, that's a you problem, girl. It is microaggression 101 the situation has nothing to do with you <laughs> and these women garcelle had pure intentions so to act like 
Garcelle owes Lisa a point-by-point explanation of her behavior is so weird. And also, they have both said over and over again in the situation, this whole situation, one time should have been enough for them. Again, Lisa, you don't need to be explained anything. You're not in this. You don't need to be explained anything about Erica or what, who said what to Erica. It is not going to change your life at all. This had zero to do with you. Zero. And it's so weird. And then Garcelle says, listen, I wish I had been told not to say anything because I wouldn't have. And I overstepped. And Lisa says, okay, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Another iconic moment of Garcelle in the confessional right after this thing. I don't really have anything to own. I'm just saying this because I'm just trying to get her to shut up. <laughs> Period. Period. So anyway, the ladies sit down for dinner. Lisa proposes that they start playing a game. In a confessional, Kyle says, I don't know why she would propose playing a game because it always starts drama. And I just love the reminder of all the like game nights past and, <laughs> and how this is such a good one. I really need to go after my Roni rewatch. I need to go back to Beverly Hills because I don't think I've ever watched. I really don't typically rewatch things just because we're in a, you know, you know, we're going to be back in lockdown, you guys. And so I'm going to use that time to watch Beverly Hills. We'll just put it that way. Um, but the moment where <laughs> they were at Eileen's house and everybody got into it, Kyle gets into it with Kim and Brandy and then they're all leaving and Brandy's holding that piece of pizza and she and Kyle get into it and they're like two little steps in that entryway, the foyer of Eileen's house and Brandy pushes her down the steps and <laughs> ends up dropping her slice of pizza on the floor. Oh, what a moment. And then remember when Eileen's uh, husband was just like watching the drama from the garage. You could just see his little head <laughs> peeking out the window. Oh, that was a moment. That was a real moment. <laughs> um, so, they're like, okay, can we play a light game? And Kathy's like, okay, well, we can play dark games later. But then she brings up the fact that Crystal had mentioned how she didn't like the comment that Sutton made about how she didn't see color. And then Kathy says verbatim, you know, Michael Jackson and I grew up together and he said to me, Kathy, I don't see color. And I said, well, neither do we. And in a confession, that was my Kathy impression. It wasn't good. It wasn't good. Um, in a confessional, Sutton says, I'm just going to sit on my end of the table and eat my green spinach. I'm not going to be in on this one. Smart. The smartest thing you've done, girl. So Garcelle says to Kathy, I know you can see me as a mother and as a woman and as a friend, but if you don't see me as black, then you don't see me. And in an interview, Garcelle says, you know, I, I know what Kathy means. I know that when she says I don't see color, she means she loves everybody. But we have moved on from that. And now I need you to see color. I'm still a black woman at the end of the day. That shows up before my intelligence, my fashion sense. And I need you to see that. So Kyle tries to, uh, you know, translate for Kathy and says, you know, Kathy's just saying everybody's her equal. And Garcelle says, yeah, but we're not equal. And Kathy says, well, I do think that's what that means. And, you know, maybe that's a conversation that we need to have. Like, what does that mean? I know a lot of people were, like, upset with Kathy. 
Um, and I get that, and I am as well. I'm not going to front and say that she was any kind of perfect in this situation. And also, like, we know how her daughters feel about the N-word. So, you know, <laughs> you know? Um, but with that being said, for her to say, like, for her to make that statement and then not do a Sutton and flip the fuck out and say like, okay, I hear you. Let's have the conversation about this. I, you know, it's a negative turned a little bit into a positive because I don't want, you know, we have to be able to have a dialogue and we have to be able to have a back and forth. And as much as it's like frustrating to have to be patient with people You have to, if they're actually trying, give them the benefit of the doubt. And if I were, I I don't feel like Garcelle felt really super strongly about what Kathy said, because she said, like, I understand what she's trying to say, but we off that now, right? Um, But I, I appreciated her saying, this is how I feel, but you're saying this is not how I feel, how I should feel and not what I should say. So let's like have a conversation about that and have a thoughtful discourse about it. That's really the only way we can evolve, you know? So Garceau says, well, we're not equal because I'm not treated equally like you. And then she says to the table, have any of you guys with adult children had the conversation about how to be careful around the cops if they pull you over because you might get shot? And everybody was like, no, never had to do that. In a confessional, Garcelle gets emotional and says, look, my two youngest sons, they don't drive yet, but Oliver, my oldest son does. And I worry about him every day getting pulled over because in that instant, he's not my son. He's just a black man. And the world is not kind to black men. Period. You know? So back at the table, Kyle says, you know, of course we're all equal, but I've never walked in her pointing at Garcelle's shoes. And then this is where Dorit really, really fucks up. So if anybody wants to just like, I've got taps playing in my head. If anybody wants to join me, um, I think it would be apropos for the situation. Putting our Louis Vuitton flags at half mast. Because what the fuck? What the fuck was that? So... Dorit starts by saying, you know, I think, I thank God and I'm so grateful because I grew up in a family where we could never dislike somebody or treat them differently. And Garcelle says, well, just because you haven't grown up with that doesn't mean I haven't experienced that. And Dorit says, oh my God, that's not what I'm saying. Then Crystal says, I wish I grew up in a house that was taught that everybody was all the same, but I grew up in a home that said, my parents told me I had to protect myself because people were going to treat me badly. And in a confessional, Crystal starts telling us a story about how growing up, people would make comments about her eyes and say racist things and how her parents taught her, just keep your head down because we're afraid if you react that something bad might happen to you. (sighs) Heartbreaking. So then Kathy says, well, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't want to have to sit down with a four-year-old and point these things out to them. Like, they have innocent little minds. And Garcelle says, I agree with you. We shouldn't have to say to a four-year-old and tell them 
anything, but I'm going to have that conversation with a black four-year-old. And that's just the reality of it. And then she says, you know, it's a privilege not to have that conversation with your children because I don't have the choice not to. And then Dorit says, you know, I've always told you guys that it doesn't matter about the color of the skin. And we've had a lot of people work for us who are very multicultural and I've had a lot of black and Hispanic and some Filipino and my kids are used to it. And, you know, they're some of the people that they've loved most in this world. <laughs> That would have been the moment where I was like, I, I gotta go. I can't, I I can't and I won't. And I shan't. And I won't. Um, Garcelle says, um, are the brown people the only help at your house? And Dorit pauses for a second and says, no. And then she says, and in fact, my mother's best friend is black. Now, I know that we all know you can claim ignorance on a lot of things, but to say I know every white person knows how stupid it sounds to say my best friend is, my mom's best friend is, whose best friend is black, I have a black friend. I know you guys know how that sounds. And I know Dorit has to know how that sounds. Did did uh, Jagger and Phoenix know your mom's friend? Also, why would they inherently be afraid of them? They shouldn't be afraid of anybody differently because they're children. And I know that sounds hypocritical given that, you know, Crystal and Garcelle said that they had to have these conversations with their young children or as young children. But we all know that inherently racial bias is a learned behavior, not an inherent behavior. (laughs) So, of course, they don't hate those black and brown people. And of course, they love them. But um, in a confessional, Dorit tries to, like, get a little attitude and say, you know, Uh, Garcelle's been to my house. She knows that there aren't only dark-skinned people who are working there. But that's not what Garcelle was saying. She wasn't saying that the only people you employ are dark-skinned. She was saying that the only dark-skinned people in your world are people in your, on your payroll. Which is a different thing. And it's probably true. Probably true. Um, uh, Lord, Lord, Lord. So they finish their meal I guess that was a fun game. Um, Kyle asks everybody to just rinse off their plate and put it in the dishwasher. And then Dorit is like kind of poor shaming Kyle. And it's like, you know, just next time, if you need us to chip in on getting you some help, we can do that. And Dorit's like, or Kyle's like, I don't need you to chip in. I have somebody come and clean the house before you guys get here. And after you can bring your one plate, rinse it off and put it in the dishwasher. (laughs) Like... I'm not asking you to do anything. And Dorit's like, but I'm dressed for lunch, for dinner. I'm not dressed for cleaning. Like, you can't put your damn, you can't rinse off your plate. Girl, come on. 
Come on. Um, Lisa tells everybody that uh, Harry Hamlin has acrylic nails because he uses them to play guitar. And apparently this is very funny. Everybody's laughing, screaming. Dorit falls on the floor at one point. Kyle makes a couple puns about the nails that I'm not going to repeat because I care about you guys too much. So next, let's move on. So we get to the morning. Things are heating up now. Crystal and Garcella are at the hotel. And Crystal asks her, did Erica ever text you back after you texted her? And she's like, no. But, you know, as long as she knows my intentions, it's fine. Then we see at Kyle's house, Kyle's sitting on the couch. And then, the notifications start going off. Lisa's in the kitchen making her uh, coffee or whatever. And she's like, Rena? <laughs> and Lisa's like, I'll, I'll be over there in a second. And then we hear Kyle say, oh, God, it's the L.A. Times. (laughs) So then Crystal and Garcelle get the notification and a headline pops up on the screen, which is the legal titan and the real housewife, the rise and fall of Tom Girardi and Erica Jane. Obviously, all of these women knew about this article before they sat down for filming. We we know that, right? Because if we didn't know that the headline said it had the timestamp of the article being posted, published, which was 6 a.m. Pacific time. Obviously, they're filming after 6 a.m. And it would be damn near impossible to believe that all of their phones have not been blowing up for hours, okay? It's not like... It's not that kind of party. But you know what? Sometimes we have to do what we have to do to, to maintain a storyline. And I get that, but this was not a shock to anybody at all. Um, so Kyle and Lisa are both trying to like quickly scan through it, but it's a long article. It's a long write up and they're kind of like, have, have you read it? No, I'm like, I'm scanning here. I'm scanning there. And they're like, damn, Kyle in a confessional says, I thought this couldn't get any worse for Erica right now, but this is like an in-depth expose. In the article, it says that Tom is accused of stealing millions of dollars from vulnerable clients, including Indonesian children orphaned by a plane crash and a burn victim. And then a few of the cast members do their confessionals in which they read snippets from the article um, about how he screwed over cancer patients, how he, Tom was bristling at allegations that he diverted, um, assets to fund his lavish lifestyle but then the lawyers admitted in court that tom had been unable to tell them what happened to all of his money and how he had 50 to 80 million dollars at one point but it's all gone crystal suggests they're probably going really hard on tom because he's such a legend in los angeles and then kyle reads out the part about how very substantial sums denominated as quote-unquote loans were going from the law firm accounts to aj global llc to the tune of 20 million um another way to know that this was a pickup scene is because sutton came downstairs and she already had her drink (laughs) and it was like mostly done (laughs) so yeah i mean she did say that she woke up early but mm, i don't know so she says she tells lisa and kyle i read the whole thing they're like oh okay Tell us the highlights, girl, because we haven't been able to read it. So um, Sutton says, well, they use the the term Ponzi scheme. And Lisa and Kyle are like, they did in this article? Yes, girl. (laughs) Keep up. (laughs) 
So Kyle says, like, okay, so it sounds like he's robbing Peter to pay Paul. Is he going to go to jail for this? And Sutton's like, if he's found guilty, yeah. Do we really think that he... (sighs) This is something that I'm actually really fascinated about, given how um, involved and entrenched Tom seemed to be in the LAPD, in the court system. He's got friends. Surely, now... Even if anybody was fucking with him still, they can't. Like, Thomas put himself in a position, like, let's really think about this, where he had all the connections in the world, and now everybody knows that he did the most morally corrupt shit, that all of that good faith that he has thought that he has saved up this whole time, gone. You feel me? Like... Oh man, it's going to be like, they, like nobody can, right? Like nobody can really vouch for him or be defend. And I don't think anybody in the months since all of the shit has come out, has come out in defense of Tom. I don't think anybody wants to touch this. And my initial thought when they, when Kyle was asking about jail was, oh, he's not going to be put in jail. They're going to give him not necessarily a slap on the wrist, but they'll, you know, because he has so many connections, he'll get house arrest or whatever. Like, they're not going to put him in jail. But at this point, is it like a we have to make an example out of you thing? Is it this is such a high profile case that we really have to bring down the hammer? The justice system has to be served right? Because I, you know, there are so many times when white men, rich men, rich white men get this like, oh, you know, he was just a 35-year-old baby. He didn't know. He had good intentions. And, oh, God, um, you know, jail is really going to be a hard time for our, our buddy. So we should probably just not let him go to jail for, like, you know, um, sexually assaulting somebody or, or murdering them. Like, he's going to have a really hard time in there. We really need to think about that, you know, that sort of thing. I I, I really am curious to see what the sentence is going to be for Tom, how this all plays out. Cause I feel like it's not going to be like, okay, you just have to pay everybody back. It, he's going to go to jail. If only for the fact that this is such a high profile case and that he probably can't have any, he probably doesn't have any sort of allies any longer. So then Lisa brings up Bernie Madoff. <laughs> And asks Sutton, like, okay, was Ruth, his wife, ever implicated in these crimes? Did she have to go to jail? She was not. And Sutton says, well, the tricky part is that if Erica's business was under her name and she was accepting funds, then she's in trouble. And so Kyle's like, I just want to know what's going to happen to Erica. And Sutton says, well, if it's confirmed that she took his money, then those funds are going to have to go back to the people that he owes money to. And so Kyle asks where the money is. Do you think it's gone? Do you think the assets are frozen? And Lisa and Sutton are like, I don't think he has any money. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. So Dorit comes downstairs. Clearly she knows what's coming down because we're not getting the usual, hi, baby, hi, baby. It's like a, a very more, like a much more subdued, like, hi, baby. <laughs> Um, so in a confessional, Garcelle says, this isn't a tabloid. It's the LA times. I can't imagine that Erica didn't get a heads up on it, which explains why she probably left early. So the fact that she laughed out, it happened to be me, but I think it could have been anybody in a confessional Sutton says, these aren't white collar crimes. These are crimes that have victims. And it looks like this was a lot bigger than it's been. And it's been going on a lot longer than we were told. So Lisa asks the girls that are there, do you think Erica knew about the article? And Kyle's like, yeah, that's one of the reasons why she left. But she said it kind of in a way that was like, I confirmed with Erica that that's why she left and not, I feel instinctually that that's why she left. It felt very like matter of fact. Did anybody pick up on that? Cause I did. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but See, and this is like, this is the point where Kyle brings out these fucking bangers that makes her feel, makes it seem like she's not as loyal to Erica as she has been leading us to believe this whole time. She says, if I had 20 million on my account, whether it was over the course of 20 years or one year, it would have been very strange. But I also know where my homes are. And I've been to them. Oh, oh, boop, boop. Hello. Woo. Okay. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. Um, so then Lisa, again, is trying to create, like, trying to come up with any reason that Erica might not be responsible. And I also saw, it's not just Lisa, and I'm not, like, calling anybody out, but I've seen this on the internet. A lot of people in Facebook groups, Twitter, what have you, saying, like, trying to do the same thing as Lisa, of, like, trying to poke holes or, you know, just trying to come up with even the smallest slight uh, you know idea that maybe Erica didn't know like I've seen people say that you know I my my husband could put money in my account and I would be none the wiser um that uh you know like everybody's been saying on the show, my husband hands me contracts. I sign them. I don't look at them. I trust my husband. That's just what you do when you're in a relationship in a long marriage like that. You just trust your husband implicitly. And I understand that, but I also feel like there are so many receipts in which Erica is saying when we first meet her, when she comes on the show, I was his, uh, uh, secretary for 10 years. I was sitting down in every meeting. I knew everything about the business and there are just a lot of things that she's going to have to explain. Um, because the math ain't mathin'. 
So Lisa's like, do you really think that Tom would come home from work and be like, oh, hey, honey, I had a hard day. And, you know, also I had to, you know, uh, borrow money from one place. And um, she's like, because I don't think that happened. And in a confessional, like she says, you know, Harry's put so many contracts in front of my face and I've just signed it because that's what you do when you've been married. And then Sutton says, "Okay, let me play devil's advocate. Maybe she didn't know. Maybe she didn't know that Tom put that money in her LLC. But if her name is on that LLC, she's responsible for that LLC. She's responsible where the money's coming from. And that's it. And in a confessional sentence says, look, we're wealthy women. We have LLCs. If, uh, you know, once you're signing to get the LLC, your lawyer watches you sign that contract. Um, and if the devil himself puts money in your LLC, you're responsible for it. So then Dory goes on to say, it sounds like they don't have any money. They were giving the impression of a lavish lifestyle, which is, you know, probably a, a you know, if the editors just want to like pull that, you know, I'm not going to say anything, but if you just, it might be smart to just like have a little bookmark on her saying that for the future. I'm not going to explain why. I just think it might be, you know, might be pertinent, might be pertinent. Um, so Kathy says, well, was that more of Tom giving that impression that they had a lavish lifestyle that they couldn't afford? Or was that Erica? And this was like the moment where you're like, oh, so Kathy really didn't watch the show. <laughs> For you to ask genuinely, did Erica ever give the impression that she had a lavish lifestyle? Baby, baby. Um, well, if you guys didn't know, much like Kathy, if you didn't know the Roll that beautiful bean footage of, you know, the Cartier Panther rings, the nice cars, the Porsches, the private plane. Maybe I'll take the jet and meet you here. We have a plane for national trips. We have a plane for international trips. Um, you know, <laughs> club, another club, plane, jet, club, you know, like that whole shit. Um, wild, 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 wild. Sutton cuts right to the chase and says, do you think that we've been slightly, slightly duped by these lies? And in a confessional, she says, I don't know what Erica is in this whole thing, but I'm questioning it. So Dorit says that this has been a whole hard pill to swallow because she's like, I've known her for five years. Kyle and Lisa, you've known her for six years. And Kathy says, well, I don't know her. <laughs> and Kyle looks at her like, bitch. <laughs> Kathy said, let the record reflect. I don't know that girl. Don't know her. And you know what? Given she thought Garcelle was Kyle, you, you know, we can't deny that that's true. Um, Lisa says, you know, she's worried about how Erica is going to handle this from a mental standpoint. And in a confessional, Erica says, you know, with Ky- with Eric, Kyle says, with Erica sharing all this new information about Tom's accident, the multiple affairs. Now I'm kind of like, what else is going on? What have you been keeping from us? And Dorit says, you know, this is going to be a long and expensive road. And that's what I feel most bad about. Okay. So you're, you're just upset that she's going to have to spend money on this. All right. So that's, we're done with our La Quinta Palm Springs, Palm Springs, whatever. I want to know if the Palm Springs um, board of whatever 
could just tell us how much money they've made. Not Palm Springs, La Quinta. If the neighborhood of La Quinta could tell us how much money they've made off of reality television this year, I would love to know because it's got to be exponentially higher than other years. When we started, like, The Bachelorette was in La Quinta. We've seen them in La Quinta. We've seen, um, who else was at La Quinta? Basically every show, every reality show that I watched that's based in Southern California, all of them hoes have been in La Quinta in the past year. And I just want to know, I want to see the receipts on that. So Dorit, you know, Kyle comes home, the dogs come and knock her over to greet her. Dorit's FaceTime with PK and Boy George and Boy George is like, oh, I heard of the stuff with Erica. Oh my God, what a sandstorm. (laughs) Um, she, you know, Dorit says, you know, things just aren't adding up, PK. And then we go to Sutton's house. She's puttering around with Waylon, the dog, trying to put water from the water. I was about to say water basket. Lord help me. Um, to, into like a actual jug of water. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm saying it confusing, but it doesn't matter. Um, she's just puttering around her kitchen. We'll just put it that way. Also, you know, like, it pains me not to mention the fact that she was wearing, like, a two-piece pajama set, like, a nice satin silk set with a scarf, like, a long scarf and kitten heels. Like, I I don't want to mention it, but I have to. Like, it's a compulsion of mine. Um, Because she's doing the work. So I don't want to feel like it was roasting, but, like, why were we wearing a scarf with your pajamas, girl? And where did the kitten heels fall in? Anyway, um... Sutton says that she's read that LA Times article ad nauseum and she feels like Erica probably knew more about this than she let on and she's wondering what the consequences might be not only for Erica but for the rest of them. Um, so then Kyle calls Dorit and she says that Sutton wants to have a meeting and I feel like Dorit was being very like weird about this she was like well that just seems very like I don't know why she wants to do this but you know I I do think that we need to all get together like she was trying to say like she was trying to separate herself from Sutton and this but also she knew she's like you know I just feel like it's very underhanded to have this for us to all meet and talk about Erica without her there but you know, it's also like, if you guys want to come over to my house, I will have appetizers and drinks ready for you so we can all talk about Erica when she's not there. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so they all decide to meet at uh, Dorit's house. And in a confessional, Kyle says, of course, it's crossed her mind that Erica might be covering for Tom. She doesn't know how to put the, pu- the puzzle together. So everybody gathers at Dorit's house. Lisa tells Kyle another thing happened. They're talking. They're not really explaining until second. So Lisa's talking to Kyle and she said, last night I I left my phone downstairs. I went to bed because you know, I usually see this stuff. And so right after this article comes out, how as one, um, Bel Calis Almanzar Cardi B says, how convenient is that? How fucking convenient is that? That it comes out, well, it comes out that Erica took to Instagram and that she was posting text messages, screenshots, pictures of that chick um, 
that Tom's mistress laying on her bed and they're like, well, why has she not been more open to us with us? And why has she not shared this stuff? Um, I don't know why she would be posting on Instagram now, but there have been so many people saying that this shit is a hoax, that the only reason, you know, there was an intentional reason why Erica decided to, uh, get divorced and so maybe she's trying to get ahead of the story by saying like no this is real he's been cheating on me but it's also like it seems like you've known that the whole time and that it's just like part of your relationship so again it's like the math ain't math and for me for me for me or anybody or the legal system um so when garcelle arrives she has no idea about the pet, the, the posts. They're like, did you see what she posted? She's like, no. So Kyle answered her phone. She's like, oh my God. <laughs> and you can see that she genuinely did not post, uh, did not see this post. Cause as everybody's talking, Garcelle's still looking at the phone and she's like, like reading to herself, like, oh my God. Like, like you can tell she's just taking all this information in. So Kyle says, I wonder how long Eric has known about this infidelity. And Garcelle says, well, she came to my house. And we talked about it. And so we get a flashback of Garcelle and Erica four weeks earlier. And Garcelle says to Erica, you know, I was at a store and one of the employees mentioned that they had seen Tom out to lunch with a woman, a blonde woman, about 60 years old. And Erica's response was like, she just nods and says, well, it's possible, but I don't know who that person is. And so Garcelle says to Erica, Four weeks ago. So there's no third party on his part. And Erica says, not that I know of. So then Lisa says that she spoke to Erica earlier that day. And that Erica told her that basically she spoke to the divorce lawyer. And the divorce lawyer was like, uh, take that post down immediately. So (laughs) cut the Instagram dead ass. Um, So um, Sutton arrives last. And Lisa said, did you see that Erica post? And she's like, yeah, but I also have a lot of reservations about what happened in La Quinta and what was said because I left La Quinta thinking something's amiss. And I think we're being placed in a bad position. And I think we've heard some stories that to me don't add up. I left yesterday, very concerned. Okay. And then as my alarms went off, I started thinking, what have we gotten ourselves into? And then Kyle says, it sounds like you're saying that you don't believe Erica and Sutton says, well, I have questions. I'm not sure how much I want to be around my friend during this time. And then we end on a to be continued. You guys, like I said, I think this is going to be a very, very important, um, uh, episode, a historic and important episode. And we're going to end this, uh, um, episode with, some um somewhat breaking news as of august 10th i guess it wasn't really that breaking news i guess you guys must know this already but i'll just read this letter um on behalf of the lawyers 
saying, Dear Madams, our office is a special counsel with the trustee Alyssa Miller for the Girardi and Keith Chapter 7 bankruptcy estate. I am writing to advise you that certain steps need to be taken as soon as possible to ensure that EFT Productions and Bravo Media compiles with its legal duty to preserve all information that may be discoverable should this matter go forward to litigation. Namely, this company believe um, we believe produces or in, has involved in the dispute of the Bravo show Real Housewives of Beverly Hills were primarily concerned with unaired footage of the show relating to Erica and Tom. If you believe there is an additional company who is custodian of this footage, please provide and we will send them the same letter. In particular, the company and your employee are obliged to make all reasonable steps to preserve all information, namely unaired footage, including all paper copies of documents and all electronically stored information that may uh, reasonably be considered relevant to the administration of the estate and or our investigation and complaint against Erica Girardi. So basically the lawyers are saying, bravo, we're going to need your help. We are going to need all of this footage. Um, if this place, if this case goes to trial, which it probably will, um, show us the footage, baby. Show us that footage. Um, oh, what a, what a fun time to be in editing for Bravo. They must be like, do, do you think they have a special, like a special mini council to like get all the Erica footage and compile it for the lawyers? Because I think they agreed to do... I mean, I don't think they have a choice, but whew, I'm excited. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Bye.